Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The 90s were the golden age of the Orange County, California music scene. Bands like Offspring, No Doubt, Sugar Ray, and Social Distortion were blowing up the mainstream and selling millions of records around the world. Meanwhile, the undisputed king of that scene, the Cadillac Tramps, were falling apart. Infighting, addiction, frustration, and dysfunction would tear the band apart at the peak of their success, but their band would prove too strong to remain broken for long. That is the setup, that is the kind of the backstory on this terrific new documentary called The Cadillac Tramps, Life on the Edge. And we are lucky enough to have with us today the producer and director of the film. That would be Jamie Sims Coakley. Jamie, welcome to Film School. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. It's an honor and a pleasure. Well, you're welcome. And um, you have a particular interest in in the film um let's just start there because i think that's probably how you got involved in doing the documentary your your husband is a member of the cadillac tramps um was it some and is that am i correct in saying that was sort of your your moving forward with the decision to do the documentary was based on a lot on kind of his involvement and obviously your connection or how did it come about how did it come about? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, the band had been together for uh, 27 years when we, you know, on and off when we decided to make the film. And um, we knew that Gabby was sick because these guys were close and they were playing shows. And we kind of knew that time was limited. Gabby, um, her young son, has a young son uh, named Presley. And, you know, they... When the OC Weekly wrote articles on the, you know, 10 best bands in Orange County, they were being left off the list. And Brian was kind of a little bit like, man, the world's forgetting about us. So we kind of decided we wanted to make the documentary for the band, the actual band, the Cadillac Tramps, so that they could have a really good record of, you know, who they were and what they did. And then we wanted to make it for the fans. They still just have after 30 years, the most amazing, loyal, unbelievable fans you can't even imagine. Um, we wanted to preserve the legacy for them and then also for Gabby's son. We thought it would be important knowing that he probably was not going to be around <clears throat> for um, Presley to grow up with his dad. We wanted him to have something that he could look back and, and see himself with his father and the love that his dad had for him. And mm. also you know, the influence and the power that his dad had as a performer and a member of the sober community and just Orange County in general. So um, that was kind of the jumping off point. We were like, you know what, let's just do it. You know, no, nobody else is going to do it. And um, so that was around Christmas time, 2013, that we, we went on ahead and decided to make the film. And I started shooting February of 2014, they had some shows in Hawaii, and I, I traveled with them, and that was kind of the beginning of the process. Well, while I, w- I do want to get into um, this, the story, you know, behind the, the, the band, I want to take a half a step back, and I mentioned it in the introduction, the sort of golden age of the music scene here in Orange County, and 
I was, you know, as I said off air, I was around in Huntington Beach, and there were a lot of bands that were rolling through there. We had a couple of venues, uh, like Safari Sam's and the Golden Bear, and there were other places around. There was the uh, Cuckoo's Nest in, in Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used to see their name all the time. They were around uh, in, in that era. There was a lot of really great music going on at that era. But let's let's kind of explain and, and detail the Cadillac Tramps. What kind of music did they play, and what sort of um, musical influences could you hear in their music? Yeah, you know, that was one of the issues that they always had, was they were really a unique band. Um, they could play with anybody. In fact, I think they played Crawford Hall in 94 with No Doubt and Corn. It was a triple bill with the three of them wow. there um, on the UCI campus. So um, they, they are, I think, at their at their roots, they were punk rockers, but, but they had influences all the way back to Creedence Clearwater, to Iggy Pop. Some um, some blues and R and B. They really had a very unique sound. But I think the thing that was really powerful about them was just their chemistry on stage together and their energy. Um, when I was actually making the film, uh, interviewing fans, you know, the the overwhelming thing that came up was. You you could go to a Cadillac Tramp show in the worst mood and leave with the biggest smile on your face. Mm-hmm. Gabby is a performer, and the energy of the guys together, and then the quality of the music and the performance just elevated people to a place where they always had a good time. It was always a fun, wonderful experience. So, um, so I don't know if that answers. No, your you question, did. You answered the question. They, yeah, go. yeah. Hard to pigeonhole, not not a specific genre. I think in the 90s, you know, they were being um, promoted as indie rock. Um, alternative is what, you know, was the buzzword in the right. 90s, which were kind of these amalgamas of, of music that were influenced by a lot of different things. Obviously, the music of the 70s. Right. And because I, they grew up in the 70s. And I recall, I mean, for me, there was there's always an element of... Um, the roots music from the fifties, going way back to kind of Carl Perkins Absolutely. and and the, those those kind of people, the Carl Perkins, uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, even there's that sort of frenetic energy that comes from them and from the the, the people that I'm talking about that infuses informs the music. That's where um, it, it funny. It was funny in that era. I remember there was a the sort of the they were a lot of bands were considered. Um, you know, anti-music in the sense that they they weren't as quite as smooth or polished. They were. This was a very raw sound. And, Absolutely. Yeah, and that's I think where a lot of the power of the of the music came from. And um, so, well, let's talk a little bit about some of the individuals you you've mentioned. Gabby, let's his full name Michael Gabarno, and he was by all accounts, and it's in the film quite a bit that he was a an extremely dynamic. Um, performer, a very charismatic performer, and you can see it in the footage in this film. Let's once again remind everybody that the film is called The Cadillac Tramps, Life on the Edge. Um, Tell me a little bit about Michael or Gabby as a performer. How would you characterize him? (laughs) Well, um, Mr. Gaborno, Gabby to his friends and his fans, um, he was just a crazy man. You never knew what he was going to do. Um, and he, I think that something, the thing about Gabby was 
he made everybody feel part of the show. You could be in a room with 3,000 people and feel like you were part of the show. He had this bit that he would do where he would tell everybody to turn around and hug the person next to him. Oh, is that right? And, and everybody would do that. Or he would decide he wanted to go out in the crowd, and there would be a crowd of 3,000 people, and he'd jump off stage and do a conga line in the show. Or if, you know, if a fight broke out at his Orange County punk rock scene, he would stop the show in the middle of the song and then just completely destroy the people that were fighting. He, you know, almost like a, uh, I think Joseph says it, you know, like a comic would, a, a heckler, you know, he would, you know, comment about the size of their um, yes. <laughs> intellects or something along those lines. And everybody would laugh and, you know, yeah. he just, he just was, not only was he a talented musician, but he loved to be on stage so much, and he was so happy up there, and it just transferred. And then there was also this element of surprise. You really didn't know, was he going to drop his pants? <laughs> was he going to pull up his shirt and rub his belly? Was he going to, he would be, he was a jokester always to the end, mm-hmm. and a, a, a prankster. And so he, they'd have crew guys that were helping, and something would go wrong on stage, and the crew, I, crew guy would run out and bend over to fix something, and Gabby would go up behind him and start doing <laughs> profane things to them. <laughs> you know, you just never knew what was going to happen. So besides them just being excellent musicians and having incredible songs and a really powerful live show, and they took the music seriously. They were very well rehearsed and just phenomenal musicians. There was this comedic element to the show, too. And every show was different. There were things that were similar that you could kind of count on, but you never really knew what was going to happen. And it was just incredibly exciting and enjoyable to watch. And Gabby just had, he has an amazing charisma on stage. You, you, you had mentioned that you weren't sure if you had seen a show or not in, in before, and I was pretty. I was like, I'm pretty sure you hadn't, because I don't think anybody that ever saw a Cadillac yeah. Tramp show forgot it. Yeah, no, I think I <laughs> think you're probably you were right. really wasted. Yeah, well. <laughs> No, I, I, you may be right. I just, there were so many bands in that, in that era. And, and just to go back to Gabby's story, because in the film, what well, there's, it's, it's about the band, but it's also about the individuals and their stories as well. And so Gabby at one point in the film is talking about where he came from and, and the experience he had where he grew up, where you settled things with, with your fists. This is how things got taken care of, but in getting the, in the band and knowing, getting to know these people, uh, he, he he watched people who could argue vociferously and passionately, and at the end would would hug or would would not. It wouldn't end in some kind of a in a, a violent way. And he he was felt like in watching him, it, it was he was sort of transformed by the people around him as well. Made him much much more a kind of a very relatable guy in some ways. Yeah, and I, I think for me that that was. Part of the story that um, I knew I was going to tell the story of a great band from Orange County that was underappreciated. I didn't have a good sense of how important and powerful these people were as role models for so many people. And, and you know, they met in sobriety in right. their early 20s. Right. They were in halfway houses and recovery homes at, at, at 20. You know, they were not guys that were going places (laughs) and they came from dysfunctional families a lot of them so that this brotherhood that they created in sobriety in their early sobriety i mean they were all basically three to six months sober by the time they had formed this band and then they got in a van and went on tour for seven years together (laughs) 
so they formed this bond as brothers that um, just was really powerful. And I think that they they taught each other so much about what it meant to be a good person and what it meant to be brothers and how do you have conflict and work it out without, like you said, you know, beating the crap out of each other. And they, because they were in such vulnerable, vulnerable places when they met and then they were together day in and day out, 24-7 for so many years, they just had this bond of brotherhood that lasted through everything. And towards the end of Gabby's life, when it was really evident that, you know, he was terminally ill and it was a matter of time, I think his doctor said to him, about four years before he passed away, um, there's nothing we can do to help you go live your life. And that's what he did. And Johnny Two Bags Wickersham, who um, is also in social distortion and has been for, I think, like the last 20 years as a guitar player, came and reunited with the band and started playing. You know, the original lineup kind of got back together and they played shows together and just had a wonderful time and were really there for Gabby and each other throughout the whole last few years of Gabby's life. And the fans, too. And just, it's such a beautiful story. Um for me, seeing that bond of brotherhood at this time when they're now they're all reaching middle age or their 50s mm-hmm. and it's still there despite everything that went wrong and all of the resentments and anger that could have been held on to and prevented that, they, they rose above it. And they gave their fans and themselves this beautiful experience of the Tramps the last few years of Gabby's life. And truly, it comes across in the film. And all these things you're talking about, the the life on the road, the getting in the van, what do they call it, the the striped loaf? Or what was the... The the moldy loaf. The moldy loaf, yeah. (laughs) The moldy loaf and and how crazy it was for them to drive around in this thing. You know, all the... Was it five or six guys in a... And and all their gear and their clothes and all that and driving around the country in this old beat up Dodge van and um, and you're right I think the really the thing that comes across this was kind of a they were always musicians first and support group maybe a one one A and one B in terms of how they they were with each other maybe reversing those even they were support group first and musicians second but they were friends and. As happens with a lot of bands, a lot of we. This is not an unfamiliar story for for us uh, to hear about and a great group of musicians who don't get their due. And, and this is particularly difficult because at a time when they were at their peak, Orange County uh, music scene was exploding, no doubt. Sugar Ray, all these bands, Sublime, were getting a real run at, at it. And um, gosh, it's just it's such a compelling story. I don't want to give a, too much away. I want people right. to, go, go, to go see this. But um, it's just a very compelling, very heartfelt. And obviously the love um, that you have for the music and for the band and for their story really does come across in this film. The film, again, is called The Cadillac Tramp's Life on the Edge. If you're in the downtown area um, this coming Tuesday, L.A. downtown, you can see them at the Downtown Independent Theater there in Los Angeles. Great theater, wonderful place to see a film. That's a kind of a w- official premiere, and you'll be there as long as well as members of the Cadillac Tramps um, on Tuesday, October tenth at uh, seven thirty. Mm-hmm. And then also a limited run from October eleventh through the sixteenth, uh, Downtown Independent as well. This is part of the Downtown Los Angeles. 
scene and um, a terrific place to go. And you can also go to CadillacTrampsDocumentary.com to find out more about the film and screenings and what you can buy some stuff and be a part of the be a part of music history here in in, in Orange County that uh, um, will uh, never be completely duplicated. I have I don't I don't know the answer to this question before I ask you. So. Are the, is there some configuration of the of the tramp still? Are we still playing alive? Um, no, I mean, losing Gabby is you know like losing. I, I don't know who Bono from the from you two. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah you, you can't replace him. So the the official last tramp show was actually a year ago today on Gabby's birthday. Today's Gabby's birthday, um, oh. and. Uh, so no, there are no more Cadillac Tramp shows, but we did, before they passed away, their music was all out of print, so we did record a double album of their most beloved songs, which is also going to be released on October 13th, which is the official release date for the documentary as well, and you can get both the documentary and the double album on iTunes, um, and if you want vinyl, if you're an audiophile, we made a beautiful double album, uh, vinyl album, to celebrate 30 years of laughter and tears of the Cadillac Tramps. That's also available on that website too. So, what what do you think of uh, when you think of the band? What do you think of their their legacy? I mean, it's in, it's in the film. I want to let people know there are a lot of people from that scene from members of bands that you know. Again, Red Brigade. There's a whole ton of different people. I'm just including uh, a couple of uh, at least one member of Pearl Jam and there's a great story of, about that part of their mm-hmm. their uh, mm-hmm. career um but what what do you think of when you think of sort of the legacy of a, of the Cadillac Tramps I think for me um well when I met Brian and we first started dating which was in 94 which was the year the Tramps actually broke up for the first time, he told me the way uh, he ordered his life was this: sobriety came first, music came second, and I could be third. <laughs> 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 and I was like, you know what? Okay, I think that those are good priorities. I can respect that. Um, I think I had so many people, Mike, tell me that the Cadillac Tramps saved their lives. That they they were the first. The Cadillac Tramps were the first amazingly wild, crazy, sexy, fun, cool, edgy artists that they knew of that were completely sober. And that that was really powerful and that it inspired a lot of people to live that way that are still alive today that probably would not be without that as an example, that you can be an amazing musician and be sober. And, And so for me, I think of all the lives that that example saved. And I think that that's a really powerful legacy. I mean, even like Nick Hexum from 311 told me that when they went out on tour with the Tramps and he was, hey, guys, come backstage. You want to have some beers? And they were like, thanks, but we're all sober. And it just blew his mind. And he, he, it never had crossed his mind that that was something that could happen and that influenced him later in his life. And, you know, it's amazing to me um, something that they really were supposed to be anonymous you know, it's Alcoholics Anonymous, yeah. ended up being, I think, that's their greatest legacy. Because we always say music is powerful and it soothes our souls, but their music actually saved people's lives and 
and change their lives forever. I think that's really amazing. And, you know, you can't put on a Cadillac Tramps record and not feel good and want to drive your car down the road in Southern California and blast it out and feel like you're part of something amazing because you know about the Cadillac Tramps. And I think that's, I think music as uh, a healer and as something that can soothe your soul on a bad day, the Cadillac Tramps definitely gave that to the world. And now we, you know, thank God we made the film and you can see their shows and you can watch them perform and that's there for you forever. And I, I think that that's, I'm really glad that we did that. I'm, I'm happy that we were able to make that happen for them and for their fans and the world. I want the whole world to be able to be happy knowing the Cadillac Tramps music and their story. What I'm hearing in your voice is you're a fan you're, you, you, and you have a particular insight uh, for a lot of reasons on a personal level, but uh, it sounds like the music really touched you as well and that, and that it really comes across in the film. It, it does. It, it really uh, – sometimes these can turn into sort of vanity projects, films like this, and they're they fawning over things that really aren't significant. But given the circumstances of these uh, gentlemen's life and where they were coming from and facing the the challenges, the hurdles that they would – that are sort of occupational hazards that for them could be not just something more than just an occasional bad night. This is a, these are life altering kinds of experiences if they had gone mm-hmm. into another way and for them to do that. And I, I don't know, I'm going to ask you, but knowing that they were sort of up against it in a, in a world where, you know, partying and alcohol and drugs are, are part of the fabric of the world that they were in. I wonder if that didn't fuel their sort of determination and that energy that they felt. I I would imagine that tension of living in a world like that and being a part of it and being an integral part of a particular music scene. Did that, do you think that fueled their energy and their determination to be who they were? Well, yeah, I mean, absolutely. They're an edgy band, yeah. and and that adrenaline, they, they weren't doing anything to take the edge off. <laughs> right. You know, they were in all of their, you know, glory with all of their egos and all of the neuroses and all of the things that human, human beings bring to the table. Mm. You know, they weren't muting that at all. And so I think that their live shows were, were, were a fantastic outlet. For all of the stress, you know, most people were going to have a drink to take the edge off. The Cadillac Tramps put it on stage and played it out and got it out through their music. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why their shows were so powerful yeah. and full of energy, for sure. And I had I had a I had a fan come up to me at a show a couple couple weeks ago, a couple months ago, and he said, "Hey, we caught the screening for Gabby in January, and I wanted to tell you, I wanted to hate your film." Somebody, I heard somebody say, Brian's wife, Brian Coakley's wife is going to make a documentary. And I was just sure it was going to be a fluff piece about your husband. And I didn't want to see it. And I was really just mad. And my wife was like, come on, we got to go see it. And he's like, you know, I love your film. You totally captured the essence of the Tramps. And I'm so proud of the story. And I'm so grateful to you. And I just wanted to let you know, thank you very much. And I was like, oh, my God, that was like the best compliment (laughs) Yeah. Because, like you said, a lot of documentaries are fluff pieces, um, and vanity pieces, and because I was Brian's wife, it would have been really easy for me, um, you know, to take a, a position 
uh, that was biased or skewed towards one thing. But I, I really wanted to tell the true story, and um, I am a storyteller first and foremost, so I had some idea about how to tell the story, mm-hmm. and it was important to me that I didn't do that. There were many hours in, you know, in the edit room where I was like, mm, I can't, I can't leave that. That's got to go because I, I really wanted it to be a fair telling yeah. of the story. Well, everybody in the film gets a it gets a fair um, shot in terms of you know telling their story. Each individuals, the uh, and and it it's a it's a you know there are there were personnel changes. But it's nice to see the core, the guys who started the band, more or less, stay together for as long as as they could, as, they, as physically able to. And uh, the, the the love's there; you can see it, you can feel it in the film. And uh, and it's great to see their peers step up and talk about the influence that the band had on them, that not only musically but in a personal way. And it's a it's a very very um, inviting, and it's a fun documentary, by the way. I don't want to, you know, it's not a memorial piece. It's it's about the band. It's about the energy. It's about the music, um, and and a celebration of all those different things in the in the film. So it's a, it's a terrific watch. Um, once again, just to let our listeners know the Cadillac Tramps' Life on the Edge. It is screening um, at the downtown independent downtown theater on Tuesday, October tenth. Uh, at and uh, with the Q and A, you'll be there, and members mm-hmm. of the of the uh, Cadillac Tramps as well. There'll be something about a special memorabilia giveaways, and then also it will run at limited run at the Downtown Independent starting on the 11th through the 16th. So it's going to be there for about a week. Downtown Los Angeles, a terrific, terrific theater to go to and see a good film, and plenty of things to do afterwards. There's lots. You're in the kind of the heart of. Uh, a pretty nice part of downtown Los Angeles uh, at the at, when you're at the in, downtown Independent, and um, I my my hats off to you. Uh, I'm sure this was at times a pretty emotional experience for you, and I'm sure surrounded by a, a lot of other emotions from the people in the band who are part of this. And I'm sure their reaction I can't imagine wasn't anything but very positive. Um, yeah, just real quick, uh, the feedback from other members of the band, I. I've got to believe was they're pretty happy with what they saw. Yeah, you know, it was tough. Musicians don't usually like to be filmed, so it was really, really hard to get them, you know, to trust me. And I had never made a film before, so I think they were a little skeptical about that. And then people say they're going to do hard things, and they don't. So I think the first year they were kind of just hanging out to see if I, if I was, right, you know, right. going to put up or shut up. Yeah. Um, and then I think it, they got a little scared when they realized that I was serious. She's really going to do this. <laughs> this <was> going down. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, obviously, whenever you make an honest documentary, there are going to be things about that documentary that people don't like. I mean, there was definitely every single one of the band members had something about the documentary that they weren't in love with at the end of the day. But um, the overall story made sense to them. And I mean, I think that's just normal. I don't like the way I look on film half the time either. You know, (laughs) Brian was like, oh, I don't like the way the lighting is or, you know, that kind of thing. And then I think, you know, with Gabby, you know, he was very open and honest. Um, through the whole story as well. And I think it was a little, um, I don't want to say scary because he's 
one of the most courageous men I've ever met in my life in a million ways. But I think, you know, he was very aware that it was a, his legacy and mm. wanted to make sure that he could be proud of it. And we did, um, he got diagnosed with liver cancer <clears throat> shortly after we finished cutting the film. And so we, we did a, a special screening so that the guys could all be together and see it in the theater with a bunch of friends and fans. And he was really apprehensive about coming down to that screening. Um, and t- I think he didn't tell me until maybe two or three in the afternoon that he was going to come. And he was really nervous about it. And then, uh, you know, after it was all over, it's kind of a funny story. I, I had to go to the restroom and I knew by the way that the film had gone in the theater that it was I was going to be talking to a lot of people and shaking hands and stuff. So as soon as the credits started to roll, I ran out to go to the bathroom. And then I came back and, you know, it was an hour and a half of talking to people. And everybody loved the film. And Gabby loved the film. And the band loved the film. And then my producer at the end of the night was like, man, and then when everybody stood up and gave the band a standing ovation, he's like, I just totally lost it. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I had been in the bathroom and missed the entire 350 people standing up and giving the tramps a standing ovation um, at the end of the film. Oh, like, well. No! Well. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you can imagine how good it was. How's that? You are, I'm sure you have. And uh, yes. so, well, congratulations, Jamie Sims Coakley, for the film as producer and director. That's a wearing a couple of hats and those that's always yeah. a challenge you know to do two things like this but um it's a wonderful documentary it's a fitting uh a tribute and uh testimony to their life and to their work and to their brotherhood and all of those things that I'm uh, I'm sure anyone who's a fan or anyone who's interested maybe heard of them you definitely should check out, and uh, the, the energy and the music and the, the, the musicianship are terrific in the film, and congratulations to you on this. Well, thank you so much, and I do want to say for the premiere, yeah. um, with a Cadillac Kings Car Club, we're going to come. There's going to be like three vintage Cadillacs pa- parked outside the downtown Independent. There's no signage for that theater, so that's how you'll know you're there. Look for the vintage Cadillacs if you decide to come down on the 10th. And we are selling limited tickets there, um, but there are still tickets available for that. But I would grab them sooner than later if you think you want to come. I wouldn't try and wait and walk up because it'll probably sell out as well. But we'd love to see you guys and meet you guys and share the story of the Cadillac Tramps with everybody. Definitely. That's a great idea. Good good to know. And I'm just trying to – I'm going to pull up the address. It's off of uh, Main Street. It's 251 South Main Street in Los Angeles. Again, that's a really nice little area. You can walk around. Uh, you're close to, um, I think, Little Tokyo and the Art Center mm-hmm. and the, and the uh, Garment District. And there's some great little restaurants in the area, great places to go and hang out. But spend the evening um, at the uh, the screening for the Cadillac uh, Tramps, uh, Life on the Edge, the 730 uh Screening and um, at that's Tuesday and then Wednesday through the rest of the till through the sixteenth it'll be screening as well. So, uh, but you want to be there for the um, for the opening night. That'll be great. And you're right. Get get in early. You can go to in, uh, downtownindependent.com if you're interested in getting tickets. Jamie, thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. It was wonderful talking to you.
You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. 